0: It's a bunch of witty banter. It's quite papa. <sighs> Joke. I love a quip. I love a quip. We'll put have a quip. I love a quip. I love a beep boop. Beep boop What's up, everybody? You're listening to Witty Banter, episode number 30. 30. Three,
1: zero. We're getting on up there. We're starting to get into, like, almost midlife crisis. Three
0: decades of yeah. witty banter. <laughs>
1: Dude, it's funny how we measure our years of episodes <laughs> by episodes of witty banter. That's how old we are. That's well, how but epic witty banter is. It's pretty, getting pretty up there, man. We're starting to gain some traction, right? It's, it's been over a year
0: that we've done this now.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we started in September of last year, and it's like the very end of September now, September 26th. That's to the weirdest. Be exact. That's the weirdest part for me.
0: I celebrate witty banter's past. But I'm a little afraid for its future, dude. Why? What, what are you talking about, man? What happens when we have to move out of this house?
1: And <laughs> We're, we're going to s- figure it out. And we're separated. Me.
0: Tell me the banter's going to live we're gonna on. We're going to have
1: intercontinental banter, okay? Thank God. It's yeah. going to be great. And we will have a banter nation that brings us all together.
0: Thank you. I was, uh, I was on the cliff there for a little bit. If you bit.
1: need anyone to build you up, you can call on me, friend. You know what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why we kiss at night.
1: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's probably a good reason that... Witty Bancher's been going on for 30 episodes and that people come back for one thing and one thing only, a beer review. The beer reviews. So what are we reviewing today, man?
1: So today we are actually reviewing a beer from Deep Ellum Brewing Company. Yep. An Austin favorite. It's an Austin brewery?
0: No, it's from Dallas. (laughs) Are you sure? It's from Dallas, but I,
1: I know that they're all over Austin. Okay. Uh, the beer that we are trying is called the Double IPA Dream Crusher, which is one awesome sounding. And two, it's kind of cool cuz we actually just had like a couple of conversations about crazy dreams that we had and so we saw this we were like I think it's an omen. In so. our dream <laughs> we
0: were buying the Dream Crusher.
1: <laughs> so so how uh, yeah, was the uh, so initial
0: pour look? It's a double IPA and I've only really had a couple um other du- mm-hmm. double IPAs before. What my buddy Robert Lee told me is that when anything says double or imperial, it basically just means more alcohol.
1: Okay, that's awesome.
0: With that, it comes with, they basically used more malt and um, fermented it longer, I would, Im- I would imagine, so they can get more sugars out of it to okay. turn into alcohol. That being said, I would imagine that this beer, is, like the other double IPAs I've had, are going to be a little bit sweeter.
1: Okay, because but, it's higher alcohol content.
0: Yeah, but okay. it's going to pack a punch. The, um, the alcohol percentage was what, 8.5%?
1: That's a nice percentage. Yeah, eight, 8.5%. On the very top it says, not for the faint of hops, which is clever. We like that on Winnie
0: <laughs> You know what? Good job. Good
1: <laughs> That's job, why you people. get to be on the show. <laughs> Um go ahead and describe your pour and what you're seeing. Okay, so I'm seeing an unfiltered, it's pretty unfiltered. Very little filtration. Incredibly unfiltered. Um the head is nice and kind of like bubbly. Um it, it has a little bit of a yellowish hue, I'd say. Yeah, like a brownish cream. I want to call it a cream. Come on. These are bubblies. Well, uh, not the consistency. Oh, okay. The color, though. Alright, got you. Yeah, cream. And um, I actually haven't gotten to smell or whiff at it yet, but you just got to take the sip. So let's uh, let's hear your thoughts.
0: Delicious smell. It okay. definitely smells like hop, but it's very really yeah. very mild. I didn't get any specific type of hop jumping out at me
1: right I got now. Maybe the slightest bit of citrus hop. A little citrusy one. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good with hops.
0: I'm I'm gonna wait as it gets warmer to figure out which hop it is exactly. All I know is that it's got the hop on the smell. It's super mm, smooth dude, going down, good, super smooth going down. It's got that sweet, almost caramelly f- feeling to it because of that higher alcohol percentage, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not too bitter.
1: It's not. Yeah. I think that the, the smell of bitterness is a little more intense than the flavor of bitterness, which is nice, actually.
0: But uh, the bitterness that is there, I have a feeling that as this thing warms up, It's It's probably going to come out, but that's okay. Cause that's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy a bitter beer, especially when I'm getting a double IPA
1: after 30 episodes of this show, I've come to appreciate how a really good beer over the course of an hour is one going to change and go through separate little stages. And two, it's gonna show its complexity as it warms up a little bit. And I you know. That's why you can't give all of your impressions on just right out of the fridge beers, you know.
0: Would you go ahead and sum up a whole kid's life out of what he's doing in a sandbox?
1: (laughs) Maybe, dude. Well, and
0: again, if he's messing that sandbox (laughs) up. He's eating the sand, you can make some assumptions. Well, let's go ahead and get episode number thirty underway. Get a little news under our belt. We got some stuff to talk about. Okay. Some things to throw out in the air. I'm excited. And really dig into.
1: Let's do it.
0: This is Witty Banter. <laughs>
1: All
0: righty. So, Hunter, rumblings have been going around these past couple days that Ooh, seem rumblings. to indicate that Radiohead is at work on another album, right? Uh, yes. And A series of mysterious tweets came out mm-hmm. where we saw Tom York was releasing to the public that he had been in this Radiohead studio for two days. Then he tweeted a picture of this white vinyl that was on this sexy little turntable. Mm -hmm. And um, even Phil Selway himself mentioned that the band would be returning to the studio this month to follow up on King of Limbs. Yeah. So we're all super excited about that. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we can't wait. But it turns out that the shenanigans that Tom York was pulling was just a little teaser at what went down this morning. And what is that? He has released his newest solo album, today. And that he not only is he releasing it, but he's releasing it in two separate ways. Mm-hmm. You can go onto a website, pay $6 for it, okay, or you can go to BitTorrent where he put the files himself and get it for free. Dude, that's wild. And this is a quote, okay, before we jump into this. He Let's says, it. it's an experiment, um, quote, If it works well, it could be an effective way of handling some con- of handing some control of the internet commerce back to people who are creating the work. Enabling those people who make either music, video, or any other kind of digital content to sell it themselves. Bypassing the self-elected gatekeepers. If it works, anyone can do
1: exactly as we have done. Hmm. So, are they saying that by giving it this kind of like open air, we're going to let everybody just decide what the value of this is what, by voting with their wallet, that he thinks that they should be able to make just as much money doing that?
0: I mean, we're going to get to see the results of this mm-hmm. but essentially he's testing out two different ways of music distribution simultaneously you can buy it from the website or you can go get it for free yeah and we'll see a how much money i make b or how many people it ends up getting to um and see if it's a success because if it is a success because you know we even talked about on the show months ago about his apprehension with content providing websites like spotify yeah where they get so much of the royalty mm-hmm. and through this quote it really shows me that he is looking to try to debunk these quote-unquote self-elected gatekeepers yeah and put the power in the people creating and allowing them to sell things themselves through to customers
1: and getting the profit of their work that's cool but is putting all your stuff out for people to be able to get for free is that really empowering the artist especially if you're not as well known as Radiohead you know i mean right if i'm a if i'm a if i'm a medium sized artist and there's like a a, a pretty e- or pretty sizable uh, market for my music and people wanting my music if i do the same thing that Radiohead's doing and Radiohead is considered maybe one of the biggest and most influential bands in the world I don't think I'm going to st- get the same results of people being like, I would rather pay $6 than, you know, just bit it. Because I, I haven't said this morning, uh, I would totally pay the $6 just to get his new album. Yeah, sure. as a fan who wants to contribute. Right, yeah. You know. vote Like you always say, vote, vote with your wallet. And so I would totally do that. But if it was like Jason Mraz or something, you know, like, <laughs> are people going to pay him $6? No, they're probably just going to bit it because...
0: It's just you bring up a great point. It's easy for Tom York to say because he's Tom York, mm-hmm. um, and I really wish we could have somebody who maybe was like a fledgling artist or like a startup artist to say what we need Nick here. We need Nick's opinion, man. <laughs> because seriously, there there are even there are bands now that when they open up a show, they have a table with all their CDs, and it's and they even they try themselves the pay as you want. Yeah. thing. And I have no idea how it ends up working for them.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: don't know if how you sell your music can bolster your actual music. Mm-hmm. Cause then there's this situation where, well, maybe it didn't sell just cause it wasn't very good. Right. But then even think about this show, like this show's free. Yeah. Um,
1: it's incredibly free and
0: <laughs> we try our best to get it out there as much as possible, as easy as possible, mm-hmm. rather than right out the bat saying, okay, $1 for every episode. Maybe we're trying to build our, our audience base beforehand so we can monetize it later. Right, yeah. Bend over, Banter Nation, we're coming <laughs> for your wallets.
1: <laughs> that would be great if we could monetize this somehow, but uh, I mean, will. that's not even really the goal, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. That would be an awesome side effect, but I feel like with music, I mean, if you're going to be a, a musician, then like you have to make money to be able to survive off of your art. And I think that one thing that I can commend Tom York for doing with this is he's pushing the idea that one, music is art, and two, that art can be interpreted in different ways. Whenever you have somebody like these self-elected gatekeepers putting on a value amount onto how much it's going to cost for you to be able to get this song, you're determining a value for that song, or you're determining a value for that album. And what Tom York is doing is saying, dude, if you really like this album, then you have the ability to pay for it however much you think that it's worth. Mm-hmm. If you don't like this album, I'm not going to make you pay for it, which is awesome because that's art at its finest, in my opinion. You know, That's a great point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get that out of the the, <laughs> the
0: article. I think my only takeaway was I just like to see him championing the idea that we're trying to separate the middleman as much as possible and that those who create are the ones that should get benefit. You know, yeah. I shouldn't have to get permission to get
1: my money from somebody who collects what I do, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just so cool that, I mean, he does this, he's been doing this the last, I don't know, since in rainbows. I was going to say, starting with in rainbows. Like he's been not only being, you know, tell them what they did within rainbows. Well, within Rainbows, they basically just put it on their website for free. And it was the same thing. It was like, donate however much you want or how, however much you feel like this is worth, that you're willing to pay for it. They did that for about six months. And I think they ended up getting more money from that method of, of distribution than the normal method of going through big you know record companies and stuff. And you know, they were the first one to try that. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, they've been doing that since in Rainbows. And it's so awesome to see musicians that not only take their musical craft seriously and they continue to experiment and progress and it's like the uh, the idea that you know the the best album is still out there kind of for them but they're also experimenting on distribution and how it affects the sociology interacting with music i mean whenever they're doing these kind of experiments and seeing how people react and like it's it's like prodding different buttons in society and being like well how can we exploit certain you know Loopholes. things in the market yeah things in the market that are latent that haven't really been touched on but if we touch on these will that be able to get us to where we want to go with like less middleman and empowering the artists with uh, more power to be able to distribute and successfully you know hold up a lifestyle for yourself and what so, I see
0: is every time they do that they're angering the people who they're trying to anger. Yeah. And the fact that it's kind of <laughs> the fact that it's kind of working is it's like, is yeah, cool. It's
1: tribute to what their efforts are. Totally. Yeah.
0: Okay, well let's go ahead and move on to number 2. Be-de-boop. Number 2. So Xbox has slashed the price of the console or Microsoft has slashed the price of the Xbox in the United Kingdom, bringing it hmm. to 329 pounds, making it cheaper than the PS4. Okay. This is a connectless bundle um and is their third price cut in the UK. Um, It is probably in response to the fact that the week that Destiny came out, PlayStation 4 outsold Xbox 2 to 1. Ooh. (laughs) That's pretty harsh. Yeah. So I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just more proof that Xbox
1: is such the Underdog. underdog right now. Yeah. And. I think it's also proof to the fact that like Microsoft is really – I think that they're kind of getting into this market, and they know that they can't be as profitable, and they're willing to cut down prices as low as possible just to be in the market, just to have their name – associated in this market i mean
0: think of how much they would lose if they weren't in it right you know it's it's in their best interest to fight tooth and nail
1: but i i I took this marketing class and it was talking about different profit levels for companies that were producing consoles and i think sony had like a pretty consistent uh profit level but microsoft was just eating dirt man and like almost every console that they've made it's it's I, would, I don't know this for sure, so don't quote me on this, but I think that they have been going out of their way with each of the consoles that they've made to not really care about price as much, even which is funny considering that they made the higher-priced console this time, but they're willing to drop their price as much as possible just to continue to be in the run. You That's know?
0: absolutely true. Yeah. They took a bath with the original Xbox. I'm pretty sure 360 was sold at a loss as well, mm-hmm. and the Xbox One sure is. But they make so much money on the other side of things that, obviously, they're willing to take that risk. Right. But yeah. if they could be on the other side, where Sony is, where it only took eight months for them to be profitable on their console, mm-hmm. um, you, you know they want to be there. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know? I mean, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to see what you think. Would you say that this last console war, I think that you would be willing to say that PlayStation is pretty much one. Yeah, year. it's... Right. Yeah, Totally. Do you think that this bolsters Sony into this kind of stratosphere that like they're the go-to now where like whenever they release their next console or whenever you know PS ex- or PlayStation exclusive games come out that that's going to be kind of like the Apple f- uh, fever where people are just getting super excited about you know whatever Sony's producing or do you think that it will always kind of be this dichotomy between Xbox or Microsoft and Place or st- Microsoft and Sony because you know the dichotomy is good and it inc- encourages competition. I think and it'll always like be there. You think?
0: Um, I think what Nite- what's going on in Nintendo is dormant and interesting, but I also realize that you can never co- count Nintendo out. So if they ever do get a big rise in the console space, it could definitely change the game. And number two, I think the vast majority of players that switched to pl- uh, to PS four were the very we're the gamers that they went after, and they they succeeded in that. Okay. Now, what's interesting is even though Xbox is being drastically outsold, it is still one of the highest-selling consoles of all time. It's right. still doing very well. Okay. And I think what's keeping people there are the people who play f- um, FIFA, Madden, Call of Duty, where your clan and your gamer points have been on Xbox Live for six years, and you're not going to walk away from that because that's where you and your group of friends, how you play, that's where your ecosystem is. And. Mm-hmm. It-
1: are you going to say something else? Well, I just
0: think um, the basis for both are there, and I think there's just basically a swing vote, and mm. I think the swing vote went to PlayStation 4 this time,
1: okay. obviously. Would you say, or what would your comment be if I told you that maybe Microsoft's plan to release the Xbox One and have it be this home entertainment system as opposed to just a gaming based console which i mean playstation is not just a gaming based console but it's way more gamer influenced right so the fact that xbox one really pushed this multimedia uh, family centric you know all-encompassing entertainment device do you think that it's just going to take a little bit longer for the general public to catch on and that might have been maybe their plan all along to not maybe get all those super-fast follower gamer kids that are going to buy it right out the box, but to establish a product that will have such a longevity that even five, six years in, people are going to be like, this is still the ish. This is like multimedia entertainment. This is the ish.
0: Yes. Um, I think the reason why it failed so hard was because of their mixed messaging when it came to presenting it to the customers. But... I think they have a vision of where the future of gaming is going. And I think they were just trying to go ahead and make the leap. Mm -hmm. Now, if Sony and Xbox both would have done the same thing and made that leap together, I Mm -hmm. think it would have been fine. Not a hitch. And what's proof of that is when the original Xbox came out and they had Xbox Live, people Mm -hmm. were still largely on dial-up internet. Xbox Live Live required a 64-bit connection. Or kilobit connection, which was not, which was like
1: a. (laughs) Like like mind blowing back then? It was
0: not, it was a very small percentage of internet users. It's crazy. But still, they doubled down on that. They saw that that was the future of where the internet was going. And when the 360 came around and everyone did have that, they had the infrastructure already there to capitalize on it. Now, if that'll end up being the same way with all these other features that they had planned, because those features, they had some really good ideas. I don't know if they'll end up coming back and turning the tide in any way. (laughs) But I do think that they have a history of trying to lead, have these ideas that lead the market, which was not only um, the internet speed, but also achievements. Mm-hmm. They were the first ones to do achievements. Which is,
1: yeah, it's still a pretty big deal. And
0: they're the reason why uh, PlayStation 4 has trophies. trophies yeah. So,
1: Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I was just kind of seeing if you thought there might be a little seasonality with, like a, a long-term seasonality with just the product itself, like... Since they weren't going, I would say I would be willing to say that the fast followers in the game in the console market are big gamers, and therefore it makes sense that a gaming centric console versus like a family centric console that's more about general multimedia entertainment. I would think that the fast followers would put their money into that resource, but I don't know how the longevity of that would actually run out. And so I, I guess that's why I'm saying like. While Microsoft continues to get beat up and they keep continue to have to price drop and they've shown a willingness to even like not have profits just to have the name in the game, I think that the Xbox One will have a lot more longevity than the PS4 will, and that's kind of just a speculation. But I think it's just because of the way that they made it and kind of like the way that they marketed it that it's going to kind of catch on a little later.
0: Well, in eight years, when we're on witty banter, episode number two hundred ninety thousand, thousand million. <laughs> we can decide. We can, right. we can weigh in. <laughs> All right, moving to number three. And I brought this one up. This is I'm basically going to have to give you the floor after I speak about this. Okay, good. <laughs> HBO has decided to unveil the actors starring in True Detective's second season. Oh, I've heard about this too. Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn have been elected as the stars. Also, Rachel McAdams has been cast and shooting will begin in the fall.
1: Rachel McAdams, dude, yes. Okay, so I want to love Rachel McAdams.
0: Before I hand the floor to you, let me preface this by saying I
1: watched one episode of True Detective. Right, you saw the arguably the coolest one.
0: Absolutely loved it. Yes. I know that it's been a critical success. Right. Um, and I know that you're a huge fan.
1: I am. How does this affect your view on season two? I think that the rolling was... Like, right in line with kind of the same sort of rolling that they had with uh, True Detective in in order to try to cast those roles, Woody Harrelson has always been kind of a little bit of a goofball, you know? And uh, so he was kind of like the goofball, whereas Matthew McConaughey is like the serious, introspective, intellectual one. And Colin Farrell is definitely going to be the Matthew McConaughey, and Vince Vaughn's definitely going to be the Woody Harrelson, you know? I think that that is the dichotomy that they're going for with those two casting roles. How it'll play out, I don't know. I actually know that Vince Vaughn a lot of people like can't take him seriously just because he's a tall, goofy guy in a million movies, but because i'm not a i'm I'm not a big fan of Vince Vaughn. I am a fan of vince Vaughn's comedy. I haven't really seen a whole lot of his movies that are serious. He is in some serious movies uh he's in like American Psycho he's <laughs> in uh, another movie where I want to say he's like a cop or something. It's just like a really minor role, but I think that it has a chance. I'm not going to say that you can make a decision on just the casting alone because right. so much it's so story driven, it's so story story driven and you even, have to have the right people to cast for that. Even the
0: technical aspects of that huge long scene that was one cut that got so much traction. Like that show it, does a lot. Right.
1: It doesn't matter if you have Matthew McConaughey or freaking uh, you know Katie Perry doing that scene. If you if you have them doing the moves and you have the amazing cinematography around it and the cool story driving it, like it's going to be cool. So, in a certain way, it doesn't really change. I still want to see True Detective number 2. In another way, I feel like what they're going to do is hark on the same things that made True Detective 1 really good, and in a way, I'm kind of, you know, stoked about that because that's why I like True Detective 1, but If it was so dependent on the first one that they couldn't make it original, they just kind of made another version of the same thing, that would be kind of disappointing. I I, I think it'll be hard for them to follow up with a single season show, like True Detective, like the first season of that show, follow up with the massive success that it had. I mean, like, everyone was posting on their news feeds, like, I can't believe that it's coming on tonight, like, what am I going to do about the Yellow King, And stuff, and, like, people were so stoked. And for that to come out the first season and people respond that way is huge. So I think that they see that Annie, you know, they see that huge kind of uh, following that they've already made. And they're going to be balancing a fine line between doing the exact same thing to be able to please that audience and doing something a little bit different, but maybe not as high quality. Right. So that, that'll be interesting to see. I have absolutely no, no idea.
0: Well, my own two cents, I really like Colin Farrell. Yeah. Mostly because when I saw his movie Dead Man Down, I went in there with the preconceived notion that I was going to be underwhelmed, and he stole the show. You know, mm. not a big cast Is that the
1: one where there was like a girl that almost got killed and then he went and killed all the people that were like after her kind of? Yeah, I think I saw. Or I didn't see that, but I saw the trailer.
0: Fantastic movie. Crazy. Like I walked out of that theater just like, dude, okay, Okay. awesome. yeah. And that's what made me a fan (laughs) of him. Okay. So personally, it's hard for me to see how Vince Vaughn is going to contrast that. But then again, it leaves a lot of room for
1: whatever they feel like they can do with him, you uh-huh. know. So we'll see. I think that they'll probably, if you have Vince Vaughn in a story, there's no way that you don't at least up the comedic uh, relief a little bit, you know. Woody Harrelson is funny and goofy, but I, like he's not like Vince Vaughn. And the fact that Vince Vaughn can say just like one observation and you're just like crack, cracking up, and so I think that there, I think Vince Vaughn will be great for that comedic relief. But it'll be interesting to see how they balance that with, like, I just, Writing, I just though. imagine Colin, Colin Farrell, like, smoking a cigarette after some part of the case that they can't solve. And Vince Vaughn be like, What are you doing? You think you're just smoking a cigarette right there? You can't. You, come on, you got to help me. Like, talking really fast, and Colin Farrell just being like, F you, man. Yeah, but you do, do you really want to see Vince Vaughn being the same guy he always is, you know? I don't think he will be. I think that he understands the significance of this role, but it'll be hard for him to break that. I mean, yeah. it's, and it'll be hard for other people watching to break that perception of him, you know? So we'll, we'll just have to see. I'm, I'm, I will watch it for sure. Awesome.
0: Well, cool. All right. So number four, let's get back to talking about the GameStop. Let's do it. dude. GameStop <laughs> okay. has announced that they're going to start selling used DLC. DLC is downloadable content. Okay. They point to PC markets where players buy and trade purchase digital content and are hoping to bring that to consoles in the form of DLC. When I read this, I just laughed. (laughs) I was like, you are kidding me. What are they going to provide? So imagine this. I go online and I buy an expansion pack to Destiny. Okay. Okay. $15, I download it. Okay. They're trying to create a market where I can sell what I have downloaded to somebody else. For like a higher price? For
1: probably cheaper. Is it... So it's, it's it's a way for you to still be using games. In a digital sphere. <laughs> in a digital space? I think
0: this is the most obvious indication of how hard GameStop is trying to stay relevant. To stay relevant, yeah. I think this is also... This is like the cry out for help, in my opinion. Because when... We can even talk about Xbox, for example. When they okay. kind of had this online-only digital marketplace idea, mm-hmm. they were looking at cutting... People like GameStop out, right? Boom. get out of here. So even now, we have on digital marketplaces, if you want to go buy a game, it'll largely be the same price as it is in the stores. And you wonder, why is that? I don't have to pay for the disc. I don't have to pay for all of the manufacturing. I don't have to pay for the trucks to ship it. It's just markup. Why are they marking it up still? They're doing that so that they don't upset the retailers. Where, okay, because there's like
1: a minimum retailer price or something, they can say,
0: you know what, you're gonna cut us out of the game, we're gonna start, stop selling your systems. Mm-hmm. But I truly think that where we've been in the last two years with these huge online retailers like Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart, Target, where you can get your stuff online anyway. Right. I think this might be the kind of move for like, I just wanna say. In no world that exists does Xbox or Sony sign on to this. They don't say, like, why would a a publisher or a content provider allow, them, allow GameStop to sell a digital
1: copy of something and them not get the profit? Why would they go through with this if they didn't feel like they could get it signed off on by PS4 or... Xbox One though. Well, here's the thing. They, I, I said they are
0: only, in, they are only announced. They announced that they're interested in doing this. They haven't implemented it. Okay. I really think this is them just saying like, hey, hey, we're doing new things. We still exist. We're gonna be there yeah, for you. We're relevant. And
1: yeah. I don't think it's ever gonna happen. Um, so the idea is like, okay, I download Castlevania. And then after I download... Nice reference. Yeah, you know, I I know what you like. Hunter's got some true gaming tendencies. (laughs) No, that's gaming tendencies that I've followed you on. But uh, Hunter's learning from the real deal. (laughs) So I download Castlevania, and then I beat the whole game. I do everything I could possibly do in it. I'm done playing that game. I don't think I'm going to play that game anymore. So I sell that back to somebody else. I would imagine that you sell your right to play it. To GameStop, who then gives that right to somebody like else? Brokers for a it price. out to somebody else. Yes, that's such BS. Do they even make like a mark? Do they make any money off of that? I mean, dude, or like um, what would be the idea behind that? I mean, like, obviously they'd want to make money off of it. Because there's okay, if 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 I, if I download a Castlevania for fifteen dollars, and then there's a, another person who wants to buy Castlevania, if I ha- if I'm going to sell my right to GameStop to be able to sell it to other people, it better be fifteen dollars or less, because that other person's just gonna go straight to the game. And buy it for $15 if they have to instead of buying a marked up version of a used you know what I mean? Be, be <laughs> careful Hunter because you literally cannot logically think your way
0: out of this ridiculous system that they're <laughs> trying to create Credit cards Seriously.
1: Freaking games. How
0: toxic are they getting? <laughs> anyway, I wanted to get my soapbox out one more time Get your sh- claws into that to show, you, to show you how ridiculous that was <laughs> Seriously, I read that and I was just like, you're I love, your, I love
1: your fury. a <laughs> oh. like against stuff. Taking down the man, dude!
0: <laughs> well, that's all uh, the news man. items we have. Cool, man. So let's go ahead and collect our thoughts and take a little break. Let's take a little break. A little bit beep- of beep- break. Yeah, we'll be right back, Witty Banterers. Cool. This is Witty Banter.
1: Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to Show at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, we are back. We've had some time to pour up some more beer, and then we contemplated over it a little bit. So, Hunter, how are, you, how are you feeling now that you've had some time with it?
1: Okay, well, can I take one more little sip before I start talking heavily about it? Of course, you know, coddle it, let it know it's safe, show it how good and warming your Caress mouth is. It. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to start off by just giving a, a blatant, I like this beer. Okay. It is hoppy in smell it is hoppy in taste, but I think that um, my perception going in from the smell was that it was going to be a little bit over hoppy. And then whenever I tasted it, it was a little less hoppy than I expected. So I like that. Um, it was a good amount of body. You know, it's 8.5% alcohol, but it's not like that super high sweet alcoholic content by volume. Or alcoholic, is it a- ACB or ABC? What is it? Alcoholic Al- content alcohol by volume. Alcohol. ABV. ABV. Okay. By volume. Sorry. The that more you know, you scat, so oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so the alcoholic or ABV is high, but it doesn't make it to where it's this super sweet, kind of like sugary alcoholic body. It's still um enjoyable and kind of. uh w- Would you say there's like spices in this? What would you say as far as. Uh, some of the things outside of just like the hops and the barley. That you-
0: well, I'll just pick it up then. Okay, do it. Do it what you do. This is what I'm thinking. Okay, I think this beer is very balanced. Okay? okay, well put. I, you get a nice little offering of hops on the smell, <laughs> and I think it's kind of in the piney region of hops. Okay, I can, I can flow with that. And so that's what you're smelling. You take a sip. You've got a good kind of thick, smooth body from that 8.5% and a little bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. But the hop does come through in the taste as well. And with that hop comes a bit of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice little saying out there that Americans use every, z- every what day. It, what is this one? It's called bittersweet. Ooh. And I think this is exactly what this beer is. <laughs> I think this beer is just like a perfect little offering of hops counteracted by a great body and some sweet little textures. I think
1: it is really smooth, too. I, I think that that kind of comes from the lack of filtration. Um, it, it it really does have like a really smooth... It's not, it's not like nitro. Like last week we tried a nitro, and that was a different kind of smooth. It was uh, kind of... Uh, it didn't really have a whole lot of carbonation, and it was like... Not thick. It was a thin smooth. This is a lot more of a thick smooth, yeah. but it's, uh, it's, it's really viscous. Enjoy- it's, it, yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Are I like right? this beer so far.
0: Cool. Well, I think we're, I think it's headed in the right direction. <laughs> you're doing good <laughs> things, Deep Elum.
1: Boom. Deep Elum? Yeah. Yeah, or Deep Elum. Deep, hopefully they don't get pissed off. If we don't know how to say Maybe there's now. not even a
0: space there. Maybe it's just like Deep Elum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who knows? Deep Elum. What's up, Deep Elum? We reviewed your beer. <laughs> hey, you're not saying it right, so screw you. F off. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and
0: check out what we got for a segment. Let's do it. Now, we're doing one that's been reoccurring recently. Okay. Another top three. My number three is definitely
1: Goku's hair. I think my number two has got to be Hyper Beam. My number one is without a doubt, Witty Bancher. Because we like to put numbers on things, people.
0: It's kind of our thing to list out our life in lists. That way we don't ever have to think about it again.
1: Lists squared if you will. This has actually
0: helped me though because I was in a job interview and they would go, if you could listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I just said, go get some coffee because we're about to talk about 2112.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it makes us be decisive and be able to back up our decisiveness. You know, some people are just decisive, and they don't have a reason for their decisiveness. Right. <laughs> us doing our little numbering system stuff usually helps us be able to back up whatever thought processes that we have to go through. So, yeah. yeah
0: that's good. So I'm going to pose the first top three
1: question to you. Top
0: three. Give me your top three guitar hero songs.
1: <sighs> that's a good one. Yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? I'm going to ask for a couple of parameters with the sure. prompt. Give me the... Uh, the 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 most recent and the first like are we talking about guitar hero 1 guitar hero 2 guitar hero 3 anything with the word guitar hero in it <sighs> because there's like guitar metallica there's yeah. all these kinds of different things sure um all encompassing baby so i'll start with
0: number we can talk through them too okay cool cuz there's okay. a ton of gems in
1: there there's a lot of really good songs so I don't really think that any of the bonus songs in Guitar Hero 1 are going to be in my top three.
0: You had Caveman Rejoice.
1: Caveman Rejoice which is Which I dope. liked, you but have, eh. You have, what is it, uh, Give Up the Church or something? What is, what is that? that one that's like, I don't know. I don't know what it's it is. It's at the top of Guitar Hero 1. Okay, the fact so, that we don't know what it is. Yeah, it means that we can't get it to it. it. So I'm going to be pulling most of my list from Guitar Hero 2 because that was my favorite game.
0: There's a lot of jams. Yes. But I don't want you to forget Guitar
1: Hero 1 was also the genesis of Bark at the Moon. Yes. Bark at the Moon's awesome. Dude, Crossroads is still awesome. It's a great song. Okay, so I I would like. To, I always like to start three to one, give my number one last. Okay. I'm just going to make some decisive, uh, decisive moves, and I'm going to have to back those up. Kay? All right, man. So number three, my uh, third favorite Guitar Hero song. I'm actually going to kind of throw a weird one in there. I actually really enjoy playing institutionalized.
0: Now, is this both single-player and multiplayer? Yes. Do you pick
1: institutionalized almost every time you have a multiplayer bout? No, I mean, it's not like a a recurring kind of system that I have for picking it, but the reason... don't you
0: want it to be in the recurring...
1: The reason why I like it is because I feel like it's a good mix between, like, changing melodies throughout the song. They have, like... They speed up during the verse to where it's like, you know, he's talking to his parents, he's like, I don't want to hang out here anymore, mom. I just wanted a Pepsi. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and it starts getting like it's like it's fast. So it has a lot of melodies changes. There's some crazy solo work in that song.
0: Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And
1: there's like three different separate solos that you get to do in just the verses, which is cool. The um, chorus for it is largely just the same throughout the song, but it's interesting. It's 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 like there's not really any sort of awesome melody that goes with it. It's just like thrashing melody. So what's your number 2? Okay. Number 2, I'm just going to go number 2 with like the song that I'm the best at, which is Beast and the Harlot. Okay. Not because I like the song necessarily more than other songs, but I can just shred the hell out of that. Song. All right.
0: Okay. It's a fun
1: one to play yeah. too. It's long and kind of grueling, but you gotta have stamina. It's, it is what it is. That that was like the song that made me one of the top contenders whenever we whenever we started really getting into you know our our.
0: That was the trump card. Yeah,
1: that would that was the trump card for <laughs> Hunter Dorset for like a, <laughs> for a couple years. Um, Max, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All let me right, just so start out <laughs> by saying, you're not welcome here. I'm just mean. He's going to get mad when he hears that, and he's going to bring up you know the Guitar Hero Challenge that we had and all that stuff. Well, all I can say is the only reason that Max even won that competition,
0: or I guess got second place, was because you let him win. I don't... I'm not going to say I let him win. No, you let him win. But I'm going to say that I didn't try my hardest. So you let him win.
1: I hope you're... Just, ha- shut hope your, your mouth. I you shut hope, your mouth, Chase. hope you're proud, Max. <laughs> So give me your number one. <laughs> All right, my number one favorite song. Now I'm starting to look maybe more at Guitar Hero 3 songs. Okay, you're flirting with the idea of branching out. Because they have, they have really good songs, and plus like when you play it on Guitar Hero 3, most of the songs are actually recorded, and, and the bands were letting Guitar Hero actually use the studio versions of their songs at that point. Which Great is point. Fun. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw out a wild card here, man. Oh, God. LaGrange. That's your number one guitar hero song. That's what I'm going to have to be decisive with, and here's why. One, I love ZZ Top, and two, I love blues. And three, like. Your number one guitar hero song, LaGrange. Let me give you my top three. You it, do yours, and then I might have to come back to my number one. I think you should. Please do that. Okay. Because I'm kind of just twisted and convoluted in the head right now. My number three,
0: Bark at the Moon.
1: Okay, it's a great one. To it's a me. Good one.
0: Once I had completed Guitar Hero 1, I was waiting for number 2. When I went and played Guitar Hero, I played Bark at the Moon <laughs> all damn day. <laughs> because you knew that would make it the bam, best. Bam 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 just it felt so good. <laughs> it felt right. so good on that little plastic guitar. Okay. All right. And it even made the jump to Guitar Hero 2 so you could actually shred the solos. <laughs> okay. Number 2. Cliffs of Dover. That's a good one. It's so
1: hard for me, though. It's
0: such a difficult song, but such a doable song. And so when it came down to multiplayer, it was like, who's going to be able to do it better today? Like, who's
1: practiced more here?
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's in the last set. It's great. Okay. But number one, and granted, I'm not saying Monsieur Lou, because I never got to pick it, because you guys were just bitching and moaning. But I understand because every time someone picked woman, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> but my number one, I pick this, my number one is I pick it this way because I don't care if you beat me all night. If I can beat you on this song, I feel like I took the cake, and that's Thunder Horse. Thunder Horse,
1: dude. I can't believe I didn't put Thunder Horse in my three. Yeah. <laughs> what am I thinking? LaGrange. Okay, can, th- I, can I start mine maybe again then? Dude. dude. Thunder Horse is going to be my number three. Okay. okay? All right. Beast and Heart is still going to be my number two. Sure. My number one favorite song that I think I think this is a legitimate one is uh, Freya. I really Ooh. love Freya. I completely forgot about that going the first time through. Nice. It's just it's just got like cool riffs and it has some nice solos. And even though they effed up the ending and like made their own Guitar Hero freaking dumb version of it, it's still really fun I'll to play. i just take
0: what's really good and just try to improve on it. <laughs> Shut
1: up. Make your game. I will say this. I got to the point where I could play Fre- Freya without even looking. I could that's just play the whole freaking song without outrageous. looking. Outrageous. Yeah. It was pretty but incredible. But I do
0: think Freya is the best of all the worlds. You've got the solo work. You've got the stamina. You've
1: got the riffs. And then you have the dope yeah, song. Yeah, stamina out the ass for... Yeah, oh you need God. it so bad. That intro part, dude. Banana na na banana. na <laughs> For like 35 times. Well, that's our top three. All right, cool.
0: So now that we have that settled... And the next time somebody in a job interview asks us what our top three guitar hero songs are, we're going to blow an their
1: minds. Sit back and let me tell you a little something. <laughs> get some coffee.
0: Okay, well, let's go ahead and check the mailbox. We're going to head over to um, Nick's Mail Corner Get right to that now. Nick, Nick. It's, it's Mail Corner. So Nick is emailed in, and uh, he's, calling, he's calling me out. He uh, says, always. what's up, Bing Bongs? Let me just get to it. Your Destiny review sucked. <laughs> Okay, maybe not sucked, but I definitely think it was premature, mostly because Destiny is an MMO over a first-person shooter, and with most MMOs, it's real hard to get a feel for it within the first week, because the massive amounts of content rewards available come later. So by now, I'm sure your perspective has changed on it a bit, so I'd love to hear all about it. As always, get winked, chink dinkers.
1: (laughs) That's just offensive. (laughs)
0: I think it's endearing.
1: It's endearing.
0: Put that on the inside of a ring. This is one that I
1: really can't speak to. This has to be a solo chase response. Nick, you're completely
0: right. Um, I accidentally got real negative on Destiny on this show. And it I thought that we were singing its praises. Yeah, but we I think we talked more about the negatives before we talked about the positives. Okay. Cool. That being said, that's because all I had played was really the story progression. Okay. So what I will stand behind is I think that the absence of story, especially in a bungee game, is a little unforgivable to me. Okay. Even if the missions were to come at a slower pace. It's just, it kills me that there was almost no cutscenes scenes. And right. at a, after a certain point in time, I stopped caring. Mm. That being said, every time I read a review online and I read about all of the problems that people have with it, I agree with them. But at the same time, it's, I can't stop playing Destiny. <laughs> all I play is Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Destiny has its hooks in me. The gameplay is brilliant. And I'm going to use Diablo 3 as an example because that's the latest RPG that I played. And you were
1: into that one a lot as well.
0: Exactly. And... Um that game, out, that game came out like two years ago. And for a long time, a lot of people thought that the loot system was broken. They didn't like how the systems were working. Okay. And slowly but surely, Blizzard implemented patches to really hear the customers out, change things in a sort of way that made uh, progression bars easier or harder, and weigh out the exploits. And Nick is absolutely right that this game is an MMO or, or just an RPG first. And it's going to take six months of post content to really see the direction that destiny is going to be going in. And I think as it evolves, it's going to look a hundred percent different than it looks now. Really? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean,
1: what are some of the things, what are some of the quote unquote patches that they're going to be able to do that really honestly changes the entire way that you play the game? Honestly,
0: I'm happy you asked. Okay. First of all, in the latest patch that came out, they're fixing a lot of the weapon balances. They're making certain weapons um, weaker, other weapons stronger when it comes to Crucible or even just against the enemies, the AI.
1: Okay.
0: Um, they're going to be changing the drop percentages for loot, whether you get a legendary uh, item or an exotic one or how you go about getting those different items. Mm-hmm. Like right now, whenever you go and decrypt these Ingrams, you'll get a blue one. And when you decrypt it, it'll give you a green one. You're like, what the f is that right (laughs) it's bs so whack basically what you have now is all of these progress bars and things that you need to be doing to get better gear or to be a cooler character Mm. and how they work is a little fuzzy and as it get as time goes on i think those will be reinforced and
1: bettered so you can't read this book by its cover absolutely not
0: okay well, cool.
1: So thank you for the question, Nick. Thanks, Nick. As always, you're the best.
0: We are moving on to question number two, and this question comes from Chris Carter.
1: Yes, dude. I haven't got to hear from Chris in a while. Let's do it.
0: Let me first preface this by telling the Banter Nation a little bit about Chris Carter. Yeah, let's do it. Be he your expert. might be the coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Explain why. Elaborate. Today. Chris Carter was my roommate when I was a junior about two years ago. Still figuring it out. And He was kind of leading you along. You know, we get to talking, how we bonded was through pool tables and philosophical debates. And I said, this guy's got it. Cigar-
1: cigars and beers, maybe. Now,
0: <laughs> what Woody Bancher doesn't realize is the reason that this show even exists and is the format that it is, is because of Chris Carter.
1: Explain. Because Chris Carter. Cause I thought that I was a huge reason.
0: Hunter, <laughs> don't you worry. I'm
1: just getting upset and you're just seeing things. Look,
0: when it comes down to it. I'd have to think a little bit about it. No. Yeah, <laughs> no, explain. But, okay. I'd love to hear it. Chris is the one who taught me everything I know about beer. Okay. Whether by sitting down and... Taste notes, him saying, hey, you should look for this in a beer, or you should look for that in a beer. You know,
1: He really seems like he knows what he's freaking talking about. But also,
0: I've brewed beer with him, and he knows the process inside and out. And through brewing beer with him, I've gotten to see what goes into a beer, and therefore how to evaluate it. You need to get him on the show, dude. Oh, it needs to happen, for sure. It should happen very So if you're listening now, Chris Carter's cooler than you, and I'm sorry. (laughs) Stamped, approved by Witty Banter. So... This is kind of like a long little email, but I'm going to read it all. Okay. He says, hey, guys, before I ask you my question, I just want to say that you have taken someone who has never cared for podcasts and turned him into a fan. Boom, dude,
1: thanks.
0: I've gone from knowing about Witty Banter but not listening to only listening for the beer reviews all the way to being stoked every time I see the Facebook post for a new episode and I listen to the entire thing.
1: Dude.
0: Yes. He says, I love the intelligent debates about current technology issues. You guys managed to make me laugh pretty hard. And he says, hashtag habanero war. Hashtag witty banter halftime song. Hashtag <laughs> Mr. Squidward, do you smell that smelly smell that smells smelly?
1: Dude, he's just killing me right he's now. He's
0: on it, dude. He's he, on he, a he, roll. he teed up
1: the ball and then just
0: bashed you it out of the ball call Chris's
1: mail quarter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nick just got wide-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are going to already betray me like that? I've sent you 50 emails. This jump has sent you one. Why is that? <laughs> Down to the brass tacks. Okay. Anyways, the question is related to the Mars One project. I'm not holding my breath, but it sounds like this one is starting to get legs. I read that a married woman from Austin is a semifinalist to go to Mars with three other people in 2024. Now, the question is, if you were married and were asked to go to Mars to begin a colony and had to leave your loved ones behind, would you do it? Why or why not? Keep it coming, guys. Cheers. Chris, thank you for the question. It's a brilliant question, and it's definitely a thinker. This is
1: thought-provoking, dude. Good
0: work. One where we're going to have to weigh our values and really figure this one out.
1: He already gave us a very specific prompt by saying that we are married in this situation. Yes. Um, Which makes it tough, because neither of us are married right now, so we don't really know the feelings that are involved with something like that. But I can imagine. You know, I can try and uh, get myself on that level. If I was... I think that if it was this thing where if I was kind of like chosen to do this thing, everyone's like, Hunter, we need you to do this, like for the sake of mankind, you know, I would have no problem doing that. But
0: it's not. We're talking about the 2024 Mars One project. And
1: the entire idea behind that is just that we're going to try and colonize Mars, right?
0: Mm -hmm. There's a good I think the understanding is that these people aren't coming back.
1: Yeah, I think it's a one way trip. Yeah, I, I yeah, I also understand it like
0: hashtag band name, one <laughs> way trip.
1: Anyway, nice. Okay, we'll take that. Um, I me, largely would not. I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just say that I don't think I would do
0: this. You don't want to have your names in the history books forever as being one of the crewmen that call that the, one of the first people to have ever stepped. On Mars. That would be super cool, but... Um, Equating yourself with the Buzz Aldrin's and the Neil Armstrong's of today.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's, that stuff is cool. That's Every fourth
0: th- grader who reads about space travel sees your name.
1: Oof. <laughs> You're really laying it on thick here, Chase. You get to put the flag <laughs> of the United <laughs> States. You get to be the king of Mars.
0: <laughs> when you rule all of your <laughs> subjects with an iron fist.
1: <laughs> Fair. Stern. But fair. <laughs> All right, but now, I don't know. I, I think that for me, the things that I'm going to find that make my life um, worth living are going to be things that I find on Earth, man. Like yeah. I, I, I can totally see how fulfilling and amazing and just, just epic this adventure would be for somebody. Um, but I think that I. Would have too much of a detachment from being able to see like nature and trees and just like but plant you get and to water. But and you get to witness
0: firsthand a
1: whole new nature. Yeah, that's cool. But I love my nature, man. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say that I I'm a pretty conservative person when it comes to actions that I'm gonna take and just like risks that I'm gonna take. I'm pretty risk averse. I'd say for the most part. So I'm going to go ahead and put my stamp and say that if Hunter was given this option and he's married, he's already found like the woman of his dreams and stuff like that, I don't think I would do it. I don't think I could do it.
0: I guess that brings it to me. Okay. Yeah, around the horn to pew, pew. I'm
1: going
0: to say no as well. Okay. And here's why. In the future where I have my wife, like you said, who is the girl of your dreams, maybe you've started a family, there is the draw of that history book name. And especially a couple years ago, that's kind of what even drove me to my major, was reading about these figures who changed the course of history through whatever policy they had or whatever Congress they were a part of and whatever. Yeah, indoctrination. That being said, I don't really look for that anymore. I hmm. think how I want to better myself is doing it for me, where I want to be this great epic person, but I want to do it in my own mind. You right, know? yeah. I don't want to have to be validated by being well-known. And number two, I can't get away from my family values. I have a very tight-knit family. We rely on each other. I see them very often. And that's what I want to have with my own family going forward. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I could willingly leave that behind. Right. So for that reason, I'm going to say no.
1: Yeah. It's just, man when you have things i'm not going to say that just because you're married that like you have things where you want them and stuff you're probably going to everybody still has their own problems and stuff but i just don't see how um the only thing that i would really get from that thing would just be the sheer sense of adventure and while i want to say that i'm adventurous and spontaneous and i would love to do these kinds of things i think that like the lack of Human interaction, the lack of change. I mean, you're not, it's not like, it's going to be a very slow process for it's all the people that go It's going to be a survival it's, situation. Yeah, it's going to be straight up like if somebody makes a mistake, they're going to die. Yep. And so, if, 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 or if one entity on the crew or team makes a mistake, everybody dies, or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I think that the adventure and epicness of it for me doesn't outweigh. All of the things that I have here and all of the, uh, you know, the relationships I have, the connections I have, the ways for me to better myself here.
0: There's so much of Earth that I haven't
1: seen. I don't need to leave. Right, yeah. You know, we still got some stuff to do on Earth, man, before we start leaving and being like, you know, peace. Well, thank you for the question, Chris. We really appreciate it. More than you know, man. If you
0: yourself would like to be a part of the show and have your name over the microphone and just... Blast it out to tons of people. Just talk about how
1: cool you are. We'll, we'll give everybody who just
0: oh, emails yeah. in, we'll talk about how, how cool we'll they are for like at least a minute or two. your ass so hard. <laughs> there might as well be a tattoo of my lips there. <laughs> but if you want to be that person with a lip tattoo, email wittybantershow at gmail.com. Now, before we get out of here, we have to go ahead and really face the headsman here and get... A number on this
1: beer Ooh. we have to reconcile with our fate okay all do you want me to go first or are you well how are you feeling about it it's gonna be hard for me to to number this one uh I'll f- go, do you want me to go first yeah please do i'll it. go first i'm gonna
0: harp on what i already said before this beer is very well balanced i'm only on my second one probably even like one and two fifths and i'm feeling good
1: <laughs> okay it's a very alcoholic <laughs> beer yeah 8.5 man
0: Got a sweet, sweet hoppy aroma. The taste is a little bit of bitterness. The hops come through on the tongue as well, but mm-hmm. it's a smooth, drinkable sweet beer. I'm gonna stick by that well balanced bittersweet taste and give this beer an eight point five.
1: Okay, it's
0: that's a, a great it's a, beer. It's a
1: great beer. Yeah. Great beer. Good stuff.
0: Thank you, Deep Alum.
1: Yeah, we. Uh, Deep we... Alum. <laughs> Thank you, Deep <laughs> Alum. Deep <laughs> alum.
0: Deep alum, We really like your
1: beer. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go a slightly little bit below you, but I'm going to give it an 8. And for all the same reasons, um, the reason why I wouldn't give it an 8.5 or a 9 is because I don't know if anything stands out enough for me to be able to give it that kind of extra boost, like, man, this is like, going to be one of my favorite beers that I drink. Uh, it, I think that the balanced portion of it gives it a certain amount of oomph, You know, that I really do actually, like, appreciate. And whenever you have a beer that's really smooth and it has hops, but it's balanced, I mean, it it really does speak for it. But um, I'm going to give it an 8. It's a double IPA. I've had uh, other double IPAs that were a little bit better than this. Um, Calling you out, Dibbleum. Oh, come on, dude. An eight is like better than freaking ninety percent of the Look, if you beers hate, that we have. If on you the hate show. the beer, you hate the beer, dude. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not. I I actually really like the beer. <laughs> but uh, let's let's go ahead and give a situation that you would like to distribute or uh, or consume this beer within. Um, me and two other friends just got
0: out of class. We have a whole day to hang out. We want to get a good craft beer to get our day started for whatever's going to happen. What season is this? Fall.
1: Okay, cool. You
0: you grab a Deep
1: Alum Dream Crusher Double IPA. Get your dreams crushed. Smash them, because you're not going anywhere
0: in life. Because
1: after you have this, you don't need dreams. This is your dream. Yeah, you
0: just need alcohol. (laughs) And you finally get to feel what it's like to be an active member of society. (laughs) So yeah, that's my situation. Cool, man. You want to yeah. lay one on yourself, or you think
1: you're? Good? I think that I'm gonna go with that. Like coming right out of class, that's a, that was like a very good encapsulation of kind of how this how cool. this would go for me for sure.
0: All right, well let's go ahead and end it out with a uh, diarrhea of plugs. <laughs> Witty Banter can be found on iTunes. Go to the iTunes store, search Witty Banter, hit subscribe, and every week the episode shows up for free in your inbox. Free. You can go to WittyBanterShow.com and download the episode if you don't use iTunes. <laughs> then who are you? Cole Blair. You can go to <laughs> Facebook and click like. Go to Facebook.com slash podcast. Tweet at us. We are at Witty Banter show. I, myself, am at BodaciousChase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. Did we say anything about YouTube? We are also on the tubes. We're
1: Go like to YouTube.com,
0: you? type in Witty Banter, episode whatever, <laughs> and you'll probably find us because yeah, we're on so. there now.
1: Because, yeah, we, uh, we're we excited about our, our video adventure.
0: 30 episodes down, and we're expanding, people. Traction,
1: bro. Is being gained. I know the traction. Traction.
0: Anything you want to plug specifically? Is your song getting close to being done?
1: Uh, It is. I'm about to have a song that was recorded in late August. And my friend and I, his name is Forrest. He's awesome. He's actually mailed him to the show before. Thank you, Forrest. He is actually working on mastering it right now. We put out five okay. different versions. So We're we got to wait. It. Yeah, We're close. We're, well, I'll let you know. Uh, I'm
0: going to plug one thing specifically this week. If you go to bodaciouschase.com, I wrote a review of Jack White's newest album, Lazaretto, and I would love for you to read it. So if you want to check that out, go to bodaciouschase.com and
1: you'll find it. It's really good. I've read it. It's a literary piece of work. (laughs) Oh,
0: reasons why we snuggle. (laughs) So that's all of the, (laughs) Okay, almost kept a straight face. That's Woody Banter. It's been a pleasure to talk to your ears directly mm-hmm. until next week we'll see you later